Episode 24 of My Life is a Junk Drawer. My Yard, Your Yard. Welcome to My Life is a Junk Drawer with your host, me, Sue Mangum. This podcast is meant to help you clean out the junk in your heart, soul, body, and yes, junk drawer. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to another week. I cannot believe we are just days away from Thanksgiving. The end of the year is just rolling right into town. It is going to be here before we know it. Actually, as I record this, it is one month to Christmas. Oh my gosh, too crazy. Anyways, this week, I talked back to my friend Sonia, who I talked to in episodes 10 and 11. She had a two-part series on her battle with alcoholism, and she just lit up the podcast and had so much information, and we got to talking about boundaries. And with Thanksgiving and Christmas and all this family and friend times, we thought it would be a great time to discuss what boundaries are, and how we can work them into our lives and make our holidays a little bit less stressful. So here is Sonia. Oh, up front, I want to say a couple of times I think she had me hypnotized because I was like, yeah, right, I got it. So bear with that. Also, she got really loud a couple of times. She got She's very energetic, very passionate about what she's talking about. So um, at some point, you may have to be careful with your earbuds in your ears. I hope it doesn't uh, blow your eardrums. Also, please remember that we are not professionals. We're just taking the subject and having a conversation. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation about boundaries. Hi, Sonia. Welcome back. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you back. Yay. Thanks for having me. Sonia and I had been talking a little bit, and we thought with the holidays coming up that a discussion about boundaries might be something really relevant and useful for the listeners out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Sonia, tell me a little bit how you got interested in, there's actually a book called Boundaries and kind of boundaries in your life. Okay. So what's interesting about this was I had uh, someone suggest this the book, the book that I um, I'm going to be speaking from quite a bit today would be it's just called Boundaries uh, by Cloud and Townsend, and it's um, an older book but very applicable to today. And um, there's other books too that are very uh, useful and beneficial when it comes to boundaries. You know, I remember like years ago, someone being like, you know, it sounds like maybe you want to read this book, and I was like, yeah, and I bought it. And I didn't read it. Um, And the truth was, I just wasn't really ready to look at myself. I mean, really, because when you're when you're on a path like that, you have to be willing to like, you think that everyone else is the problem. And then you when you start diving into it, you realize like, if I'm having boundary problems, it's actually not everyone else. Um, It's actually me. Um, I'm the one I'm the only one that can keep my boundaries. I can't no one around me can like no one has to keep my boundaries right. i'm the one that has to right. keep the boundaries and you're really the only one that can control your boundaries exactly and then that's a lot that's hard work yes. you know <laughs> why can't you just True. do you do the right thing and i don't have to do anything <laughs> you know and um at the time i think i was in my early 20s i and i was just starting my family i wasn't ready to really look at me in that way and then as i had you know we had talked about in our previous podcast i had 
I got sober and um, started doing some step work. And I had a, a sponsor tell me that I had a lot of symptoms of adult uh, child of alcoholics. And that means that I'm struggling with codependency behaviors. And if you're a codependent, you have, a ba- you have boundary trouble. So it was suggested multiple times to start looking at that. Okay, so what does codependent mean? Like, mm. can you just define that a little bit or? Well, off the top of my head, if I'm going to discuss what it means. example. To, yeah, what it means to be a codependent. I hated that word. Right. In fact, when I, when I, I would, when I first got sober, I was like, you could tell me I'm an alcoholic, but don't tell me I'm a codependent because it sounds really <laughs> weak and pathetic. Yes. Like it sounds like a girl that needs a man. Like, you know, like, I need a man. Love me. Do you love me? Like, that's how I interpreted it. But actually what it is, is this incessant need to control my environment. Okay. And to control your perception. Um, okay. A lot of the times co- codependency looks like caretaking. Okay. <laughs> and not having a very clear understanding of what my, like, not knowing the difference between your yard in my yard. And okay. that's why a good strong fence or boundary helps define yes. what is Sue's yard, what is Sonia's yard. Right. It's not the same yard. Right. And so if I'm thinking I need to mow your grass, but wait, hold on. I'm not responsible for your grass. Right. I'm responsible for my grass. Right. And as a codependent, I didn't have a very clear understanding of what the difference of of that was. Okay. I did read a book called Codependent No More by Melanie Beattie, and I highly recommend that book. Okay. So I, I just think, I think a lot of us are codependent. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you say that right away, I'm like, oh, that sounds like me too. So, Well, I think anyone can develop codependency. I mean, certainly I think, you know, if you've had an elderly uh, parent in your life that you care took for at any period of time, that's codependent. You become a codependent when you are caretaking for somebody. And then what ends up happening is I think some of it gets a little confusing. And you are in a position where, you know, God's given us this beautiful gifting of caretaking for people. And then we actually get a little confused about what is my responsibility and what is not my responsibility. And I, when I start ignoring my inner voice that tells me I need to caretake, take care of myself, take care of Sonia. I am absolutely 100% in codependency. Okay. Um, I read that book and I read it again and I read it again. (laughs) And I also read Boundaries and uh, I found it to be really good. It's, um, it helped me understand that there's like a phrase that's, that we hear called be true to thyself. I thought the phrase be true to thyself meant like, you know, indulging in yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like it's all about me. Yeah. I deserve those great boots. Right. Right. Look at my great makeup or. I think what I've come to understand what being true to thyself means is it means being honest Mm. with myself. Right. Even if it's really uncomfortable. Right. And it's messy. Yeah. So being true to thyself to can look like, you know, I'm not going to go to that holiday party where alcohol is being served because I'm not spiritually fit enough to be in a place where I'm there right now. Right. I really want to go. Right. And I'm getting a lot of text messages asking if I'm going to be there and people want me there. Being true to thyself means that Sonia is saying to Sonia, Hey, we're not okay right now. Right. And we, this is not wise. And being true to thyself is saying, okay, I need to be honest with me. Being true to thyself means that when I'm saying no, I actually mean no. And when I'm saying yes, I actually mean yes. Okay. But every time I say yes, when I actually mean no, not only am I not being true to myself, 
but I'm lying to you. Right. And I'm lying to myself. I'm practicing people-pleasing behavior. <laughs> Codependency. Codependency. <laughs> right. That's caretaking. I care about your feelings. Right. Actually, a lot of it's just control. I want to control your perception of me. Uh-huh. Do you like me? Right. And then we're back to that fear I had about being pathetic. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> do you like me? Do you, right. you know, you better like me. So I better not tell you no. I better say yes. True. And therefore, I will betray myself. Right. I will betray my innermost self to please you to really only please me. It's a weird twist. It's hard. It's like we could go round and round in circles in that. I just opened a can of LaCroix. Hopefully <laughs> your, your listeners aren't freaking out. There's I heard about misophonia. Misophonia is the like uh, where people have like issues with sounds or mouth sounds or oh, like yeah, chewing yeah, 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 and yeah. They have, like extreme anxiety. And um, so if any of your listeners are misophonia right now, they're about to experience like a, a panic attack. <laughs> mm, bubbly. Um, so I think that we just, you know, it starts out with self-preservation. So, okay. So when I, when I, when you asked me, you know, how did you get around this? I did a lot of caretaking as a young child with my parents. And what it really was, was emotional caretaking. Okay. So for me, that was um, making sure that my dad calls it taking everyone's temperature. I felt safe if you were happy. Right. Okay. So that meant that um, I had to make I had to make you happy. Um, I I needed to be perfect. If you're in a bad place, like it's my responsibility to try to make it better. Um, I don't want you to be angry or upset. I want you to lose your temper. And then I'm also like you know, when it comes to like my codependence behavior, if I act out too much, then maybe you won't love me. You know, if I'm too needy, then you won't love me. You'll run away. So I've got to make sure that everybody is okay around me. And I, that's how I learned to keep my environment safe for me. Those skill sets worked for me for a long time until they didn't anymore. Right. When we looked at my relationship with my family, it looked a lot like fear that was driven by trying to manage everyone's feelings and perceptions and life, <laughs> right? Like meddling in areas I had no business meddling in, being placed in positions I had no business being placed in, and losing myself right. in the process. And so uh, I was challenged to look at that. Chances are, if I have a hard time, if my boundaries are invisible boundary or whatever boundaries are being violated repeatedly, chances are I'm also really bad at keeping your boundaries. Okay. So one thing I discovered was like, if you're, if you tell me, no, I'm sorry, I'm not available. If I ask enough, maybe you'll say yes. Uh And not accepting no for an answer. Well, that is definitely, was a part of my character. Uh, That's a learned behavior. I learned that I could do that. Also, it worked for me. So it probably will work for you on me too. Right. Okay. So again, back to being true to thyself. My yes mean yes. My no mean no. Really looking at that. And I find that once I started doing some of the hard work and learning myself more and what I'm really okay with and not okay with, I didn't really have as many boundary troubles as I thought I had. Oh. Or, or they started to subside more okay. as a result. All right. So you got your little book here. Yeah. Define, Define from the book. Um, what a boundary is. 
Well, there's a couple of way of looking at it. It's it's knowing what I'm responsible for and what I'm not responsible for. Right. Period. So um, I am not responsible of your perception of me. That's very true. So if I told you, no, I can't come and do your podcast today, it is not my responsibility to try to win your feelings over. Like justify, like, like oh, because I'm doing oh, this. Oh, I'm and so I sick just, and yeah. I've got this thing going on and I'm so busy and I'm sorry. And right. like, right. like, like, please don't be mad at me. Please don't be mad at me. Please don't be mad. You are allowed to be mad right. at me. <laughs> That's your experience. Right. Sonia has no right. It is actually none of my business how you feel about it. Right. It is my business to take care of my yard and my property and yours to take care of yours. Right. And you're allowed to work through it however you want to work through it. And I'm allowed to work through mine. Right. And those are new concepts for me. Those are right. things I just started learning. I think that's new concepts for a lot of people that are going to be listening. And um, I do have, you know, a lot of people are in, I'm going to say in their 40s. And I think mm-hmm. in our 40s, and you're a little younger than that, but you start to realize that you have to create boundaries because when you don't, your life just becomes a chaotic mess. And I think that codependency can come from not just alcoholism, I think any kind of trauma Mm -hmm. that your family, um, I mean, all our families are dysfunctional Mm -hmm. to some point. Mm -hmm. And it depends on your personality how, I mean, because as Sonia was talking, I was like, oh my gosh, so much of what she said resonated in my life. I think that you're spot on talking to a lot of people about it. Well, there's this, uh, in the page boundaries on page 43, there's a part here that says, setting boundaries inevitably involves taking responsibility for your choices. You are the one who makes them. You are the one who must live with their consequences. And you are the only one who can, who may be keeping yourself from making the choices you could be happy with. And so what that tells me is that no one is going to do them for me. Right. You know, if I tell someone you need to stay out of my bedroom and yet you keep coming into my bedroom, I can't I'm the one that has to make the decision. Like I can't assume that you're going to you're going to be respecting my boundaries. I okay. have to have them. Right. And I have to be also willing to implement when my boundaries are violated what the next step is going to be. Okay. And this could be like so let's relate it to uh Thanksgiving coming up. Okay. And we've got um Uncle Frank's coming, and we know that he drinks a lot. And okay. He, by the time, you know, dinner's served, he's three sheets to the wind. Sure. And so me being the caretaker that I am, or could, I'm trying to control the whole situation and make, you know, Uncle Frank feel good, and the kids not realize it, and this. And then, you know, eruption occurs, and your boundary is, okay, next year, I'm not going to let this happen. And how do I do that? I, I have to ask Uncle Frank, either he can't drink when he comes or you can't come. And then you have to commit to that boundary, correct? Because then you can't go, all right, well, here's your drink when he gets there. Actually, what I think would um, be the case here with this this scenario. First of all, how exhausting does that scenario sound? Trying to control well, I, somebody's drinking. I think it's drinking. very exhausting, but I think yeah. that it, it, it occurs. Oh, sure. And yeah. it does. And I know that I've played that part right. plenty. And I think... When we step out of the position of, of pe- like, like Christians like to say peacemaker, I'm just trying to be the peacemaker. Um, when we take that hat off, we're actually freeing ourselves. Right. And so a lot of that turmoil and anxiety that you just, ex- just expressed, which I have absolutely been there. I have a family member too that like I've tried to control 
what they're doing. And I have found that really I'm the one that suffers the most in that position. Not right. the person that's yeah, it, it's like, so true. Yeah. Not the kids. Like no one else. Like I'm the one that's right. like all freaked out, not right. everyone else. Because my boundaries, I'm like what? all over the place with them. So really the choice or there's would, none. So the choice would be this. Like you have a conversation. So you know, I you know, Uncle Frank, I really love you. Love love it when you come to visit for the holidays. Um I am not comfortable with drunken behavior around my children. So if you think that's not something that you're able to not do when you're in my home, I'm going to have to ask you not come. And if you are going to do that, you're going to have to leave. And that's it. And and the thing is, is it's not, he's allowed to interpret that however he wants. (laughs) And he can be mad at you. He could even rally the troops, right? But being true to thyself means that people that love you, Sue, are going to love your boundaries and respect your boundaries too. And they might be mad initially, but then... And that's okay yeah. too, you know? They've got to process it. However, I get mad all the time about different things. That's normal. And it's not. it doesn't have to be the end of the world, right. basically. But the boundary looks like you taking action for the safety of your family, right? right. So boundary keeps me safe. It's not meant to punish anybody. Right. And that's where it gets confusing. I think people think that boundary boundaries are th- are threats, right? Right. <laughs> if you do that, I'll hit you with a stick, right? But what a boundary really is meant to do is to keep your environment safe and you're being true to your innermost self. So if you're not comfortable with a drunk relative around your children, and you know, like if you know in your gut, there's no way Uncle Frank can come over and not get wasted, you're not inviting Uncle Frank over. Right. Because the truth is, is like if he's proven to you that he can't do that, then that's, then you've got to make that choice, right. you know, or you can and invite if he him. starts to drink, you have to be prepared to call him, call the Uber and get him out of there. I mean, that's, and those are hard things. These are, yeah. this is your home. Yep. This is your dominion. And you have, you have final say. It's your, it's your place. And so it comes, you know, it comes to things like this, like, um, you know, I've had relatives that I did not invite over. Uh, I, did, I had a relative I did not invite over for Christmas. That's because when that relative came over for Thanksgiving, it it was not a great situation. And my children were uncomfortable, and I made the decision not to invite that person over. I got a little bit of pushback from other relatives right. for not inviting them. it's Christmas. Yeah. Oh, come on, right? My innermost self said... I have one shot at raising my children and creating these memories with them. I've been given another chance with sobriety. I value very much the life I have today. And it is unfair to them to subject them to a relative that makes them uncomfortable on a holiday that is meant to be a beautiful, special holiday. Right. So I made the decision not to invite that friend over. And when, not friend, relative, (laughs) but also friend, but still, when... When that happened, there was some pushback. Now, I come from a family that has a very difficult time with boundaries. They don't know what boundaries are. They push over my boundaries. They beg enough. They'll get what they want, all that right. stuff, right? Bullying is a big uh, pers- big thing with people that don't know boundaries or will tend to bully. And I said, this is the decision I have made for my family. I hope that you can understand that. And that's all I have to say. 
Yeah. I don't have to. Here's the thing. I never have to rationalize, justify, or explain the truth. And this is my truth. My truth is I want my environment safe. I don't have to explain it to you or to anybody. And not only that, I don't have to coddle your feelings and make you feel better (laughs) about the decisions I'm making for my life. So basically, here's the thing about boundaries, Sue. During the holidays, you have to be okay with other people being uncomfortable. Okay. Period. If you want to be able to keep your boundaries, keep your environment safe, there are going to be people who are not used to you doing that right. that are going to be deeply offended True. by your boundaries and see it as an attack. And you, the hardest part <laughs> about this whole process is being okay with people not being okay with you. Right. And that is a big one. It's hard. Yeah. Because, you know, you get emotional about it. If you can take the emotion out of their feelings, like you said, you can't control how they feel. You can only control making the environment safe and making your own boundaries. That's really all it is, is being honest. Like, you know, for, for me, boundaries are is just practicing honesty to myself and honesty with others. And keeping myself safe. And so you don't think boundaries are selfish then? Oh, definitely not. If it's if it's meant to, if it produces the best version of myself for others to enjoy, <laughs> then I don't believe that it is. Right. You know, if, if a boundary for me looks like, okay, here's one. I have a boundary in my marriage that if my husband has sex with another woman, <laughs> okay, this perfect one, right? then we're going to have to separate. Right. He's going to have to find another place to live. Okay. Now, is that selfish? Like I feel like that's a pretty standard boundary in a marriage that if you if you have an affair then you are going to have to leave or whatever. So tell me something right. that's maybe not quite so black and white. Um okay. So let's say we're disagreeing on something, you and I. Okay. And you're my wife. In this scenario. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll be the wife. Will you marry me? Okay. <laughs> uh, Money, uh, I'm already married, so. <laughs> um, I got to respect your boundary and not pursue you. Um, but yes, I'm your wife. Let's say we've discussed ahead of time, just based on what our personal uh, needs are. Let's say we've decided, you know, early on in our relationship that yelling and screaming and throwing things is just not Good how right. we are going to conduct ourselves. Right. Okay. A boundary that I have is if things get if if shouting starts to take place, I need to separate myself from my environment. Okay, this is a good one. I am not doing this to punish you. Right. I am doing this because I need to take a moment to breathe. Right. I need to collect my thoughts. Right. I might need to call my spiritual mentor and discuss what's going on and get some feedback. I might need to pray. I might need to cry. Right. I might need to do anything I can to take care of myself. Now, to the person that I'm arguing with, maybe that feels selfish. Right. How dare you walk away in the middle of this argument? Exactly. You're. um, It feels like an attack in that. um, Like how? Yeah. Just like people feel angry in that moment, right? Like how dare you, right? But in that moment of me disengaging, that is self care. Right. Um, I, I'll give another example of a, maybe a gray boundary. I had a falling out with a friend recently. And when I say recently, I mean like last spring. And I, um, texted this person and said, Hey, would you like to get some coffee and talk? 
This person sent a text back and said, absolutely not. I am not interested in getting coffee with you and talking. And uh, if I see, if we run into each other, let's, let's be friendly. But other than that, I am not interested in having a friendship with you anymore. And I responded with, thank you so much for your honesty and I will respect your boundaries. And I have made a point to not beg her, pursue her, or try to um, convince her that we need to sit down and get coffee. She made it very clear, I need some distance. Right. For me to respect her boundaries is to honor her and, and to honor people. And that's a big step because don't you think maybe five years ago you might be like, well, why Why not? What do you, what do you need to talk to me? And then yes, like, like I would have begged you. Yeah. The idea that you were unhappy with me would yeah. have eaten me up. I would have been upset. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say it didn't upset me right. or, or, or whatever, but it didn't happened. eat my lunch in the same way because here's the thing. She's allowed to feel what she feels. She's allowed to have her experience. She's also allowed to be friends with whoever she wants. And I also believe that um, I'm human. Right. I'm worthy. I'm lovable. People like me. Not everybody is my best friend. Not everybody wants to be around me. And that's okay. Right. I don't want to be around everybody. (laughs) Right. It goes both ways. So the thing is, is I'm going to honor her and respect her boundary. I did reach out. I will say that. (laughs) I saw her a few times and the interactions were super pleasant. Really, really pleasant. So I reached out and I said, I want to respect your boundaries. I thought I would just see if maybe you were interested in meeting and getting coffee. I owe you an amends. And I would love an opportunity to do that. However, if this is uncomfortable for you, I do not want to push myself on you. Right. And she wrote back said, I'm very much interested in that. Oh, well, good. So we're on our way there. However, you know, it's going to it's gonna take some time. I don't think she's ready. I don't know. I don't know. Right. I'm not here to tell you what her side is. I can just tell you that for me, I have more peace when I can respect other people's boundaries. It also teaches me how to implement that in my own life yeah. with others. That's great. That's really good. Those were great examples. I think so. That I just started reading the book. And I what I love about the books is the examples they use like, one of the one of them was that this couple walks in and they're having trouble with their like twenty five year old son and he, uh, he yes, he's remember. failed out of college and then he's done all the stuff he can't get a job and he didn't even want to come to therapy with them and so they're like what's his problem what's his problem he says he doesn't have a problem and you know they go on and and the therapist goes um, well he doesn't have a problem you have a problem and they're like what are you talking about. And it says that he is irresponsible and happy and you are responsible and miserable. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, this can relate in adult children and even teenage children. I know you're not quite there, but I just oh, thought that was close. Sometimes we try to caretake our children almost too much and mm-hmm. we don't give them the responsibility and the... Well, I, I have a great example of that in okay, my own good. life recently. Is, uh, a couple of years ago, my son kept having problems with his homework, right? He was um, forgetting to turn it in. <laughs> <laughs> and normal kid stuff. Right. But That's why I giggled because I was like, oh, yeah, we've yay. all been there. <laughs> Mom, you forgot to remind me to put it in my book bag. The teacher started con- – and it wasn't just that. It was also his agenda needed to get signed. And I said – um, I'm so sorry, Mrs. K. It's my fault. He, um, I should have remembered to sign his agenda. 
And she said, absolutely not. It is 100% your son's responsibility, not Sonia's responsibility, to make sure his agenda is signed. If you continue to own his problems and allow him to blame you for the problems that he's got going on, yeah. he will. it will only get harder for him to not blame shift. And it will be harder for him to take personal responsibility for his life as long as you are apologizing for his errors. Yes. That was really hard. And she was, this is what I, I, I love the school the kids are at because they really worked with me to right. see that in my son. Like, He's blaming everybody else for, he left his book bag once at school and he was like, this is all your fault. I'm not going to have my homework done. I might have to see the principal because you won't turn the car around to get the, my, my book bag. We live 30 minutes from the school. I was not going to turn around and get his book bag. And he kept saying like, I'm going to be in so much trouble. It's going to be all your fault. Uh, yeah. No. Right. Young man, your book bag is your property, your yard, your boundary, not mine. Right. And I am not going to drop everything I'm doing for your crisis. And you're going to have to take responsibility for that error. Not me, you know? And I think so much as parents that we get confused. We think we want to just shield them and helicopter, you know, it's like, we just, well, there's so many examples that come to mind. And I just in middle school, I forgot my project. Can you bring it? We're running up there and bringing the project. I forgot my lunch. Well, instead of saying, you know what, they serve lunch there. Why don't you just go ahead and pick some, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I'm I'm just thinking of all the examples that I have done. You know, I forgot this. We're running up there. And, and and the funniest thing is that in, for me, I usually gave like one grace thing because sometimes I forget things too. And it's nice that someone can help me. So be like, one time I'm doing this once, but if you forget your lunch again, you're going to have to eat something at school or go hungry. You know, you're not going to die if you don't eat lunch. But I mean, I just, it's, we constantly do this all the time. Well, we don't set boundaries with our kids. I think too, like we don't serve them well when we, when we do that yeah, for them yeah. and they don't learn. If you can't learn to take personal responsibility, how, how in the world can you keep a job when you get into your, <laughs> well, that, do you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that example you gave the kid. And they're like, just, I don't have a problem, like, mom. It's your problem. Yeah. And before you know it, you've got your 30 year old child living in your basement <laughs> and it's your fault, you know? Um, yeah, I, I think we do a disservice to our children when we take too much responsibility for them and we don't know boundaries. Not only that, but we teach them this is acceptable behavior and then they continue the cycle. I know, yeah. You know, and so I also had to look at myself in other ways too with my children. Um, you know, there was a, you know, whenever we have someone in our life that we're walking on, on eggshells around, there's typically a boundary problem. So um, I'm caretaking for your emotions right? because I'm afraid of losing favor in your, in, in or, your or eyes. We don't want you to blow up because right. it, you're going to which is still create fear. Losing or favor. Yep. Or, all yeah. of it, right? It's self-preservation. It is. Sometimes you did. I mean, you just have to. Yeah. My children, you know, when I was in active alcoholism, my children were always caretaking for me emotionally, right. walking on eggshells, not really sure what mom they were going to get today. And that's right. unfair. Yeah. And so what I had to do is become an emotionally stable person, not meaning that I'm not, I'm not perfect, right? you know, but no, it is not, not their job to make sure mommy's feeling okay today or mommy's doing okay today. Right. But in turn, it is also not your responsibility to make sure, I mean, 
that they're okay every day. I mean, because they're going to sometimes be sad and people are, you know, you can support and love and, and give them hugs and encouragement, but we're also not, I think we've taken on their, I mean, so many of their emotions that, you know. It's so hard, though. It's so hard. I mean, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking of like three things right now off the top of my head that I'm like not doing a great job. Like I'm always trying to make sure that my daughter is feeling okay. Are you okay? Like you're beautiful. You're worthy. And and these are, I mean, these are good things to do as a mom for our child. But like, yeah, fear will drive me to be codependent and to caretake for everyone. I would say like a codependent behavior that like family members do like now I can see like the codependence in my life. And and when you have someone with addiction in your life, you will create codependence around you. Like hiding alcohol, the alcohol in their house from me, right? Like, oh, oh, uh, oh get, um, or no, yeah. Sitting down at dinner and my father-in-law uh, seeing the wine menu on the table and be like, get this out of here. Like, you know, I, like, <laughs> I'm like, I, I swear I'm not going to just suddenly relapse from looking at a, <laughs> wine, menu. a wine menu on the table. If that's the case, we've got a lot of problems here. Like, oh, the wine menu. Oh, oh thank God. Thanks, Dad. Thank you so much. You got rid of that wine menu. It was, it was a close call. Oh. You know, I mean, to the truth is, is that it's sweet. And I can see that it's coming from a place of love or concern. Um, but it's not your job to make sure I don't pick up a drink, right? Like, right. you can't caretake. But, yeah. but it's like that, like, shielding, trying yep. to protect, trying to caretake for you. Like, oh I don't gosh. need you to, like, I don't need you to do that for me. Like, that's between me and God. Like, you don't need to caretake for me that way. I hope anybody that's uh, listening, because you, like you said, there's just so many things that can rattle. It can go so many places and where I've had people do the same thing, trying to protect me from something, or I've done it for them. So like you said, I'm not perfect. I'm I'm working on my boundaries for sure. I don't know, especially I have really worked on them with my kids. And I'm, I'm much better with my friends. I say no to like things that I know is too much, even though I want to do something. If I've gone out a bazillion times, I know that I have to say no sometimes. So I don't worry about what they say, because I feel like if they like me, they're going to invite me again. So I want to say that I think the number one of the number one reasons that it's hard for me to set a boundary with someone is fear that they'll leave me. Yes. Okay. Or not like me or think I'm a bad guy or whatever. And there's this, I want to just read this section. If Okay, so on page 108, there's this part here that I love. And it says, um, it's on the, it's at the top, towards the top of the page for anyone that's going to go and read this book. But it says, those people in our lives who can respect our boundaries will love our wills, our opinions, our separateness. Those who can't, can't respect our boundaries are telling us that they don't love our no, that only love our yes and our compliance. You know, the thing is, is that this is back to being true to thyself. I've got to be a friend to Sonia before I'm a friend to Sue. Right. Kind of the oxygen mask. Yes. 100%. Because you're going to be a better friend to me once you have taken care of yourself. If I'm constantly trying to make you happy, I'm going to be in constant fear that I'm going to do something to mess up to ruin our relationship. Yep. And so for me, if, if, I tell you no and the relationship is over because I told you no, then that has now revealed to Sonia the kind of friend that you are. Right. And it's better to know now than to find out later when I'm stuck in a situation that's pretty toxic. True. So, you know, for myself, that would be the hardest thing is, you know, I don't like it when people are mad at me. (laughs) No one does. I hate it too. Yeah. It's the worst. 
But the truth is, is that if the relationship is not shallow, and if the relationship has depth and weight, even if I've made you mad, you'll still love me and we can work it out. Yes. And hopefully we can learn to respect each other's boundaries. If the relationship does not have depth and weight, it is better to know sooner than later than to invest far too deeply in a relationship that actually isn't going to be beneficial or healthy for me at all. Yes. And because we're imperfect, we should be able to give each other grace. So sometimes we get it wrong, but if we give each other grace, then we can work back to the right relationship. 100%. I agree with that. Okay. Is there anything tidbits you want to wrap up with that we didn't really talk about? I think that boundaries require a lot of work. You know, that's the thing, especially if you grew up in a home where there were no boundaries, or maybe you're not very good at keeping other people's boundaries. Maybe you can pressure someone into getting something, get your way or whatever. It takes a lot of new energy that has to sprout, you know, new, new plants have to sprout from the ground. And I don't do this perfectly, but I'm, I'm willing to try. I think just the, the main thing that's important is just remembering like, for me, you know, am I saying yes when I really mean no? Am I saying no when I really mean yes? And I believe that I've been called to live a life of rigorous honesty. And as long as I am people pleasing, I'm not being honest and you're not really getting a real Sonia. I think too, people can tell when you're that kind of a person too. And Ultimately, if we want the kind of relationships I think our souls really long for, these are areas that, though may be difficult, we want to explore and try. If, if, and also, I, I do want to mention that a lot of this sounds like I'm making it sound like it's super easy. It's not. <laughs> um, you know, I went to therapy. I did a lot of work on a lot of this stuff. There are probably listeners that are in maybe abusive relationships and can't figure out how to get out of them. And so I would just encourage anyone that is in an abusive scenario, you know, seek to seek some help. Tell somebody. Yeah. You know, I think that's the first step is like secrets keep us sick. So if we're in a situation where like, man, I can't seem to get out of this thing. I don't know how to stop or, you know, or whatever. Just find the relief in telling somebody Yes, is that first step. So, yeah. It it makes the secret not so powerful. That's true. Okay. So we've already, you've already cleaned out your heart, soul, and body on the last podcast. Is there anything since then that you've been working on that you want to tell us about? Yeah. Okay. A couple things. Gosh, this is going to sound maybe silly. (laughs) I like silly. So, you know, I, um... In a couple of weeks, it'll be a, a a year since. No, I'm sorry, not a couple of weeks. Well, December December 10th, it'll be a full year since I've had nicotine. Oh, any nicotine at all? No nicotine, no vaping, no gum, not a cigarette, nothing. And that's really exciting. That's, and I really want to get there. Congratulations! Oh my gosh, thank you. You know, smoking is just not accepted anymore. People. <laughs> 
You know, like I feel like in the nineties it was like it was still cool. It was, cool still. It was still cool in the nineties. Yeah, it's not so cool anymore. It's not cool anymore. Um now when we see people smoking, we're like, gross. You know, like everyone it's like they're the most outcast. Like and the thing too is like if you see people smoking outside of like places of employment, it's always by like a dumpster. Like it's not it's not like people aren't there's not like smoking sections now where people work. It's like by the dumpster people are smoking it's just so dirty now and it's so such a bummer and I miss having that one little thing I think that's why I picked it up you know I had that one little treasure that little reward that little thing and um giving that up has been challenging but freeing saving yourself a long treacherous lung cancer life so and also I like my face and don't want to lose my face to wrinkled smokers face. Um, I don't, I, that's (laughs) as narcissistic as that sounds. And that's a topic for another day narcissism, but, but that's like, I mean, whatever motivates you. Well, it was, there was a few, one of them was that the other was the fact that I just, it wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. You know, when I would pick up a cigarette or when I would vape, I thought it was going to bring me relief from anxiety and it never did. And I realized, why am I doing this? Why am I running back to this thing right? when it's not actually giving me the relief that I want? So I was okay. able to do that. Um, now, here's the thing about quitting nicotine, Sue. Yeah. What usually happens when you quit nicotine? <laughs> then you start to eat more. Mm, <laughs> yes. Put on a couple pounds. And uh, I was really beating myself up a little bit about that this year. And, you know, here's the deal. There's been a couple of women lately that's kind of emerged in our culture that have really, that I just find really beautiful mm-hmm. that are not the the norm. Normal. And one of them is Lizzo. Oh, do you know Lizzo? Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah. She's a bit on the sexually explicit side, okay. which yeah. might be difficult for some people. Um, certainly, I would not take my children to a concert. Right. Um, there's a lot of a booty in her. Um, and those that know me from Zumba know that I'm not necessarily uh, against it. Uh, but I will say that I just think she's so beautiful. Yeah. And she believes in herself and sees that she thinks that she's beautiful. Yeah. And I'm sexy is in our head. It is. Yeah. And you know sexy what? Here's, is- here's the thing. Um, I'm a big believer in cognitive behavioral therapy. We can talk about that. I I feel way more qualified. I mean, I'm not a therapist, but I did a lot of CBT work this last year. And I realized that the dialogue in my head is really controlling how I feel, right? The conversations I'm having with me. And I realized like Sonia has really got to find Sonia with a few extra pounds, beautiful to be okay with Sonia. my language, girl. Yes. If Sonia can love Sonia at this weight, then Sonia is going to be okay. And Sonia is going to be okay with everyone around her too. And it's contagious. You know, grace is contagious, I think. So I I just saw it wasn't the fact that Lizzo is super sexy and putting it out there that has been inspiring to me. It's the fact that she at least appears to really accept herself. And that helps me to accept me. If right. Lizzo can accept herself at that weight, Sonia can accept Sonia at this weight. 
gosh, doing a couple things like getting my hair done, doing my makeup, buying some new clothes, like even though these are like shallow superficial type things, seeing myself in the mirror with maybe a few extra pounds and still really like lately I've been like, wow, you are as conceited as it sounds like Sonia, you look beautiful. No, I think that we, none of us say that to ourselves. And I've been trying to do it too. Like I looked in the mirror the other day and I started to say something and I said, you know what? You are a beautiful 51 year old. Mm. A lot of 51 year olds would, would die to have that. And I was like, it's funny how quickly my mindset changed instead of going, Oh my God, look at my butt and my stuff. I was like, I looked up and I was like, and I'm going to really try to do that more. That's going to be a whole podcast. Well, affirmations. If you want to talk about affirmations, please have me back to talk about (laughs) affirmations because I'm a huge believer in it. And it sounds cheesy. And sometimes it is cheesy. But when you believe it inside, like it... It just can change. It really can change perspective. It, it you... changes your brain. Your yeah. brain actually changes from it. But let me just say this. Okay. Okay. The the thing about lo- like looking in the mirror and saying, Sue, you're a beautiful 51-year-old woman, right? And then you felt it. Like you right. felt it resonate right. in you, right? So I'm about to be 35. And so there's something about that number that has really scared me for some reason. <laughs> Maybe it's because um, if you go to have a I don't know. Okay. So just, I don't know why. <laughs> okay. It just feels like scaring. We, we just, it's such an adult number to me. Like okay. 35 is five years from 40. <laughs> 40 is for sure an adult number to me. So lately that, that the, the idea of being 35, okay, you're going to be 35. So you're going to be 35. It's been stressful. But the thing is, is I realized like, man, I look really, I've been saying this just Sonia, you look amazing for 35, yep. you know, and you know who, there's a lot of women that look good at 40. And you know what? I don't know if y'all have seen Gwen Stefani lately, but she's 50 yeah. and she looks amazing. Like it doesn't matter. You <laughs> right. know, here's the thing. Like, like beauty is inside of me. Right. It's not outside of me. Right. And so if I, you know, anyway, these are like the self-care stuff that I'm, that I've been yeah. working on That's and good. doing and um, accepting me at this place. Just yeah. accepting Sonia for being Sonia. Yeah. Good it, and bad. It, it, gosh. We could talk for hours, but we, we <laughs> won't right now. But yes, I'm I'm really excited that you talked about that. All right. Anything new in your junk drawer or closet? Anything? Mm. Anything new? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Are you ready for this? Uh-oh. Do you remember what was in my junk drawer? Yes, the big TV. Okay. Well, that's gone. Okay, good. I think you told me it was okay. gone. It took a while. Well, so, you know, that big TV was replaced by a very crappy, small, flat screen TV, oh. smart TV, okay? <laughs> and that was like five years ago, we got this little crappy, small, a very crappy, small, <laughs> flat screen TV. Okay. I don't want to get sued. <laughs> exactly. Don't don't say the brand. Yeah. Very similar to the one that's sitting in your corner over yeah. here, I, actually, I, I'm, Sue. I'm pretty, now sure, that I'm, looking. I'm pretty sure we've had those TVs. Yeah, it's yeah. right here in the room. Did you go to my closet? <laughs> anyway, my point I'm making is, so this this crummy little TV was sitting, you know, in our room and it was crapping out. It was constantly, we were constantly having to restart it. It was just really, really annoying. So we got a new TV this week. So we've got a 40 inch now sitting on there. But guess what's in my closet? The crappy. The old TV. (laughs) So now I have a TV, another TV in my closet. I threw out the big TV for a crummy little TV. And then I upgraded my crummy little TV to a bigger crummy little TV. And now another little TV is in my closet. But here's the thing. I've got another TV that I had 10 years ago when this whole thing started under my bed. 
So I have another flat screen TV under my bed. And here's the problem. I, you know what? I see the problem with yes, the TVs. Yes, I've got TVs. I hoard TVs. But why can't I? Why can't I? Why can't I get rid of these TVs? I don't know. That is a problem. <laughs> Do nope. I need to send the TV police over there and confiscate all your, your TVs? I think, I think that... Well, I know that Matt's been like, you know, if our neighbors see a TV in the yard, they're going to think we're rich and they're oh. going to come in here and rob oh. us. <laughs> That's, That's annoying. funny. You are hysterical. <laughs> Too many TVs. I hope that she didn't blow out anybody's ears. Sorry. <laughs> the volume on I that get... was like hitting the <laughs> Well, maybe oh. you can compress it. I'll try. I started, um, yeah, I'm going to start a band and it's going to be called Too Many TVs. Oh, there you go. Yeah. What are you going to sing? It's going to be a ska band. Yeah. It's going to be a little like Gwen Stefani. Yeah, I'm going to be like Gwen Stefani. There you go. Yeah, full circle. So when you're 50, you're going to be singing amazing songs. About too many TVs. About too many TVs. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Sonia. This was so fun, as always. (laughs) Till next week. See you later. Oh, my gosh. The TV thing. Giggle, giggle, giggle. Hysterical. I can't, I just can't stop laughing about it. (laughs) She's like the even Steven of TVs in the Seinfeld world, you know? She throws away a TV, she gets one back in her closet. Oh man, we all have a lot of junk in our drawers, don't we? Thanks, Sonia, for coming on again. It was a great podcast. And as we said, boundaries aren't always easy. We may have simplified them in this podcast, but we know that it is difficult sometimes to implement. So do the best you can. I hope that you guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and we will see you back here next week. Thanks again for listening. Hey, if you like what you heard, if you would give me a review, that would be fabulous. The more reviews I get, the higher I get, the more people can listen to me and find me. Oh, by the way, you can find me at mylifeisajunkdrawer.com or on Facebook at mylifeisajunkdrawer. On Instagram, it's Sue C. Mangum. You can leave questions, concerns, anything, and I'll be sure to get back with you. Hope to hear from you soon.